0: Welcome to the Unboxing Your Packaging podcast, where we pop packaging out of the box thanks to the shared experience of inspiring businesses and experts. I am Colleen Regout from Look for Loops. My passion is to optimize the use of resources and designing out waste. This show. Aims to help you redesign, reuse, and recover your packaging. Have you
1: already felt confused by a recycling label? What kind of end of life information did you get when your packaging is composed of three different components? Was choosing the right bin super crystal clear? Get inspired by the Australasian Recycling Label, the National Recycling Week campaigns, and other initiatives with Alejandra Laglet from Planet Arc. In this episode, she explains how to go further than what is technically recyclable, how to avoid conflicting communication, and how to ease collaborative impact with all the stakeholders including the councils as frontliners, the companies, the schools, and the end users. You will end up with a bunch of tips and tools to educate and implement. This interview covers a lot, and we even touch on reuse and refill. I enjoyed how Alejandra demonstrated the importance of evidence-based and trust in the system and the program. Let's start. Hi Alejandra, welcome to the Unboxing Your Packaging podcast.
2: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: I hope you are well because I am very curious about what you do and I have a lot of questions. Excellent, excellent. So today, because of this podcast, we will focus on your work related to packaging, but... First, I would like you to share what Planet Arc is about and maybe what is your motto or what do you do in general in a few sentences.
2: Yeah, Planet Arc is a non for profit environmental organization here in Australia. And we focus on building relationships with business councils and all different types of government so that's local, state, and federal government so that we can build programs that help people be you know around nature pretty much so the end goal is always an environmental one and we want people just to be aware and know the benefits of nature around them
1: okay that's great thank you for this summary so a lot of collaboration to bring lots okay cool and the aim is like education basically
2: correct okay cool yeah it's education i guess the key word there being that it needs to be evidence-based so whatever we do we have to have very strong evidence of why we say what we say or why we think people or us should be doing certain things
1: Okay. Wow. Thank you. I guess this episode will be full of clarity as well for the audience in the same time. So that's great. So you you just mentioned environment and so on. And because you mentioned collaboration, is it why it's named Planet Arc? Is it like... Because it's Make the Bridges?
2: Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's actually a very old name. We've been around for almost over 30 years now. It actually, the name started as just Ark. And then it mm-hmm. became Planet Arc. Why they chose it, we're not really sure. But yeah, no, no, it's... Th- that would be a good. Actually, I, I think I'm going to be using that sentence from now on of what when people ask me why <laughs> that's the name. <laughs> I quite like your version of it. <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> See it's a nourishing conversation in both ways. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So the good thing is that you, Alejandra, you are managing the Australian Recycling Label and the National Recycling Week campaigns yeah. at Planet Ark, And which are both in strictly linked to packaging. So Let's start with the Australian recycling label, if you don't mind, if I have understood it well, Planet Hark is the educational partner for the Australian recycling label called ARL ARL, A-R-L yeah. Program. And we are in a podcast so people are not visualizing how it looks like, but maybe you can explain it a little bit what is it and what does it look like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think this program is a great example of why collaboration is so important whenever we do, I'm going to call them for lack of a better word, like sustainability programs or activities. So the ARL is an on-pack labeling system that tells you how to dispose of your packaging uh, correctly, depending on the recycling and collection infrastructure that we have in the country. And there is a label for each specific component of your packaging. So let's say that you have a cookie box. So you have the cardboard box, and then you probably have like a tray and maybe like a bag that is wrapping the tray. So you will have three labels, one for the box, one for the wrap, and then one for the tray. And it tells you how to dispose of it. So whether maybe the box and the tray are recyclable and then the other ones might not be. So it's, it's really clear and I mean, hopefully easy to understand. And also it is, as I was mentioned before, it's evidence-based. So each packaging that has the label has to have been assessed by the PrEP tool. So PrEP stands for packaging recyclability evaluation portal. So it's a program that we have in Australia that simulates the recycling ecosystem from the moment that you put your packaging in the bin, then how it's going to, you know, it's gonna get picked up by the truck, probably get crushed a little bit, and then how it's going to behave in the material materials recovery facilities. So, you know, if it's going to get sorted, what's the size, if it's going to fall through the drums or not, if it's actually going to be detected by the lasers, blah, blah, blah. And then if there's actually value at the end market. So if if you know if it gets sent to a you know a plastics processing facility, do they actually want a type of polymer with a type of inks and those colors? And maybe it has like additional glues or something. So it's very comprehensive, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend anyone to, to have a look. There's a lot of videos on our YouTube page where we show how that works. Very simple, but yeah, it, it's a very good, I guess, tool for packaging designers to have access to. The only thing, though, it's we know, especially in Australia, I mean, I would assume that this would apply to other countries as well, is that... Just because it's technically recyclable, that doesn't mean it's going to get recycled or if it's going to get collected. So we also match that like technical recyclability against how many people can actually recycle that item or that material through their council collections. So if more than 80% of the population can recycle something or, well, their, their, their council can collect it and then it's technically recyclable, then they're classification of that item is going to be recyclable between 60 and 80 percent will be conditional recyclable and less than 60 percent that would be not recyclable so and then yeah and then you have your thing and once that is done your report then you can translate that into the arl
1: that's super interesting and it reminds me about the um, episode 28 with mr and mrs recycling and they were mentioning and insisting a lot that. Exactly what you said. It's like, okay, it's not because it's recyclable that it's recycled. Yeah. And it's also depends of the whole infrastructure after. It's not, it doesn't end in the bin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is a whole process after, right? And so it's super interesting that you are taking that into account. I really like that. Actually, it's almost paramount, but it's not well known by most of the people.
2: Yeah, yeah no, no, it's a great program.
1: So, yeah, that's really paramount to keep in mind for sure. And actually, because you mentioned that you include each part of the packaging, and so it takes a little bit of space because sometimes, as you mentioned, it's called the like three logos in a row oh, yeah. and so on. <laughs> so, I was wondering how the ARL labels are cohabiting with the other ones. I have many of them in mind. So, for example, those who are mentioning the origin of the materials, like the Moebius logo, but with numbers in the middle, you know, or the PEFC or FSC Mm. logos for paper from the forest, or... I have another another one that jumped in my mind, yeah, the eco labels showing some efforts during the production, or I don't know if you know and or if you have that as well in Europe, there is also the green dot oh, yes that's a green dot indicating that the product is funding the recycling industry. I can go on and on, I can mention even like maybe two or three more. I don't know if you have this one as well, like the cross-out bin indicating that you are not supposed to put the product in the garbage or the OK compost home, for example, as well. Sometimes it's recyclable and it might be compostable as well, but to make the difference between this or... And maybe a last one, uh, some other logo mentioning the presence of plastics and saying, do not throw it in toilets or nature or whatever. But none of them guarantee recyclability, right? Some of them might be complementary, but some of them might be like overwhelming for the consumer. Yeah. What do you think is the most confusing about these labels and cohabiting together for the end user or even other partners? And what will be your advice around that?
2: Yeah, well, there's two parts to this and a whole process that led to these two parts. So we knew, like you mentioned, we are the educational partner of the program, but we also have the Australian Packaging Covenant Organization. So in Australia, if you make packaging, if you create packaging or sell packaged goods, and if you make more than $5 million a year, You have to either be an APCO member and you have to report back to them with their sustainability guidelines specifications, or you can report back to the government. So it's a lot easier just to do it through APCO once and that's it. So they are the ones who are in charge of the membership uptake of the program. So just, you know, trying to get them to actually use the tools and to label their packaging correctly, because at the moment, this is just a voluntary scheme. So with them at the beginning, when we first started back in 2018, when we first started, they had the technical advisory committee. So they are the ones who, you know, we, like the members, they're people from the waste industry, the packaging industry. So like those very, like. Technical people who know all of what type of polymers and thickness of, you know, how I mean things I really don't know. So I, I won't repeat myself, so I'll probably relying. So they had that. And then we had the marketing advisory committee. So again, it's people from the industry, like the marketing people from brands, people waste educators from local councils, federal government and so on. So you have like all of these different representations so that they can help you to actually have a very well a good approach to what you're saying and you're not reinventing the wheel. So with them, we set up some systems and processes, and one of them was how to communicate the label, both on pack as well as part of the consumer comms. So what was decided was that whenever you have the label, people have to follow certain guidelines so that it looks the same, certain size, like a minimum size, so that you know they don't have like a miniature uh, label that nobody's going to be able to read, and so on and so forth. So one of them is they cannot have conflicting images around that label. So for example, I think the most confusing one would be the plastic identification codes. That's the one that people think just means that something is recyclable. So yes, yeah, they're not allowed to have any of those around the label. They can have it somewhere else, like far 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 away but yeah not not close to it so that when the consumer looks at the packaging they see you know I I don't know I'm just thinking a box so the box can be recycled I don't see anything around it I put it in the recycling bin and then that's it and then also on our side it's I guess trying because recycling it's almost like a mechanical or like you, you don't really think about it when you're recycling you just do what you did the last time so I think for us it's mostly like we do a lot of behavior change science and how the brain works and all that type of things. So is how can we get people from a fast brain mode? So they're just, you know, automatically doing what they're doing to a slow one so they can actually stop and see what they're meant to be doing with their packaging. So one of the, I guess the, I'm gonna call it an ad or like a piece of communication that works the best is when we first show the plastic identification codes and say, these do not mean that something is recyclable. How confusing is that? And then people read that and they're like, oh, because I thought they were. And then we say, but these do. And then we show the ARL. I mean, obviously, that's not the only thing we do. But yeah, it's, it's, and having that constant reminder that the ARL is here and just, I guess, be very clear that that is the only label they should be looking for whenever, if they want to recycle something at home.
0: Mm. Okay,
1: thank you. That's uh, very clear, and actually, it's very helpful because every day I hear about the lack of clarity, right, of on <laughs> the packaging, and you are part of the solution for sure. So th- thank you for sharing that. And because you mentioned all this collaboration at different decision level, I will say, you might have heard or not, because it's still very far away from your place, but that's the mandatory. Trean logo in France is the object of infringement proceedings opened by the European Commission. And it's because the European Commission considers that the regulation to impose the Treatment logo, and I am quoting here, does not comply with the principle of free movement of goods provided by European law. And so because France, the companies importing into France will have to comply with it. And as there are no harmonized rules at European level in that area, French legislation cannot create an unnecessary burden for trade on the internal market. And that's what believes the Commission. And it's quite recent. We are talking about this February 2023. So do you have the same kind of regulation issue because of the international market or internal market also because i know that you are active in partnership as well with uh, new zealand so have you already met like such an argument in australia against your labels or not at all and you're super surprised
2: no, actually, that sucks for you. It's, it, <laughs> you know, when you have all of these barriers. No, actually, we've been very fortunate that the label has had a lot of support. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some people and in some industries that it's not like they don't support it, but they just want it to be better. So they there's a lot of still a lot of opportunities that we have in the program, and we are told what those opportunities are, and obviously we try to implement those. But so far. I mean, we have had great support, especially from the government, a lot lately more from the waste industry as well. So I guess it's more... I mean, and don't get me wrong, when the ARL first began back in 2015, we we didn't get a lot of brands actually using it. So it does take a while for it to build momentum. And you have to have a very strong governance system around it and try to consider as much as you can. Because at the end of the day, you're selling a commodity, right? Like the final recycling batch, that's a resource. It's not really waste. It's a resource that you're going to sell someone and someone actually wants to buy it. So... From a recycler's perspective, I mean, of course they want it. Of course they want brands to start designing packaging that will help them to sell whatever they're processing. I, I wish I could say something about it and I'll potentially help with that. But
1: How does it work with the product that's coming from somewhere else in your country then?
2: I guess something that helps in that instance is that this program is not mandatory. It's a Mm -hmm. voluntary scheme. So we have had a lot of take up, but that doesn't mean that if a brand is importing a product, it won't have it. And at the moment, it's not such a huge deal. Maybe if it does become mandatory, then we will probably have that issue. But so far, I think, I mean, there's pros and cons for both having a mandatory labeling scheme and, you know, just having a voluntary scheme. So, So far, it has worked for us that it's just a voluntary thing because brands are actually excited to use it and to tell people, oh, my God, look at this. We're having like this new label so that you can really understand what to do with their packaging. They have even done a lot of like the marketing team who are usually the ones with the big budgets and the ones we can tap into for like educational budget. They have invested a lot more time and energy into trying to communicate that recyclability aspect of it. Whereas if it was maybe just a mandatory thing, it's just another tick on the box that they have to do. So a good example would be Kit Kat from Nestlé. I can't remember when this was, but you know, the slogan is have a break, have a Kit Kat. Well, I think they had like give the planet a break or something, recycle this packaging. And then you get that message as a consumer from all of these different people and different channels so eventually it's a lot more well hopefully easy for you to actually be able to identify that specific label.
1: Okay it's interesting to make the difference between mandatory and not and what is happening around it for sure and but I, I like that you mentioned the fact that brands get excited so it's at least now, <laughs> it's not too hard to get this excitement and commitment to add these labels. And it made me think about another argument that the European Commission put in the critic they addressed to this. They said that it will require increased material for the additional labeling and lead to greater production of waste due to the larger and unnecessary size of packaging and as I have well understood, you just mentioned before that you have a whole pool of experts that help to manage that. And unless you tell me, oh yeah, actually, yes, it does (laughs) increase the size of packaging. What I have heard is like, it's more a question of choice and how you maybe also choose to remove an unnecessary info related to marketing? For example, what have you seen so far in terms of packaging size because of the labels?
2: Yeah, and no, I think packaging size has stayed the same. I think everybody's quite conscious that we don't want bigger packaging. Even for the label, sometimes people say, oh, well, you should have a, a larger label. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that means that, you know, we actually have to print it in a larger format. So that multiplied by thousands of products on shelves, that means that there's a lot more material that we don't really need. On that front, I think people are very conscious about that. But at the same time, especially with, yeah, like with smaller formats, something that is a hot topic, like leads on bottles. We have a lot of discussions around that. And to be honest, since 2018, we still haven't reached consensus of whether or <laughs> not we can recycle bottle caps. Some people say just leave them attached to the bottle. Some others, like, we don't want it at all. It depends on the location of what you're going to be doing afterwards with it. So I can see how it can be incredibly hard. I mean, we're just one country and we're struggling so much with just a couple of states. I cannot imagine how that would be the European Union with like so many different countries and, you know, like so much more people living there. The volumes would be a lot higher as well. So yeah, it's. It, it's hard. I'm not familiar with the situation, so I can't really comment. But I would say that you know there has to be a lot more conversations between the packaging industry and the waste industry so that they both understand why they do what they do. So why is packaging a certain size or why it has different layers or certain materials that probably are not very friendly with the recycling system? And then, because sometimes you might not have a solution for it. You might have to have an oxygen barrier that has to work really well. And the only material available is something that might not be very easily recyclable. But then you also have the waste industry because packaging designers, I mean, their job really is to design something so that the product inside stays fresh and it works the way it's supposed to work and be delivered the way it's supposed to be delivered. I mean, adding that layer of recyclability, is it's huge. It's a completely different a profession even but but i guess for them to understand how the system works and you know like different sizes or the thresholds that they need to require maybe they can think about a way of how they can design something that maybe they don't need a a lid that needs to be removed maybe it's just a cap that can be open but stays attached so that is still part of a bigger uh, container maybe i don't know like Um, the cans yeah exactly
1: that was before it was removable the little oh were they yeah before yeah I think I think when you and me were born it was oh my gosh (laughs) yeah it was removable actually when you were opening the little piece of metal it was just
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah. a waste
1: and it's mentioned as well in episode 13 with Hélène Piet from Dragon Rouge, I think. <laughs> she, yeah, it's kind of recent. Yeah, recent, my yeah. age. <laughs> so, yeah, so see, it's a whole conversation. And as you mentioned, like, probably designers are more focused on products and users. But for me, it's so important that they are educated right away as well at what will happen downstream yeah. as well. It's so a big piece. And none of the designer really wants by purpose to create a waste, right? So, yeah, of course. so if you are there to help them, it's a great piece of it and they can feel good about that as well, in a way. I will have some question about also how to reduce and reuse and so on but sure. a little bit later <laughs> because I wanted you to speak about some campaigns as well. But just before, because you mentioned collaboration and how it works, what to put on the package and so on, I was wondering if you are in contact with people like Green Blue with their how to recycle or how to compost in the US, for example, and are you working in terms of even communication or like inspiring each other (laughs) yeah, how to take the best practices from each other and uh, how much does it happen if it happens
2: i mean we haven't and maybe this is a great prompt for me to actually start reaching out to them (laughs) to see yeah how how things are going Uh, having said that when we first developed the area like the actual like look and feel of it, we got a lot of inspiration from the label in the US called How to Recycle, as well as the pack Recycling Label in the UK, in terms of design. Because we had to do a lot of consumer research to see if they understood what it meant, so that they actually did what we wanted them to do. If it was clear, if it was, you know, if, if they thought it was like a recycling instruction instead of something different. So, so yeah, so, so that's how we, we got it. And obviously I mean when we first started, I was stalking their websites a lot <laughs> just to get you know a lot more inspiration and see what they were doing. It's a, I mean I guess it's a different market in the sense of, I mean we're a big country with a small population, whereas the US is a huge country with a huge population. So that would probably be a lot different. And again, I'm not 100% sure if they have the prep, tool over there so I think they have like a matrix and then people can mix and match depending on the material stuff that that they're using so in terms of communications because a lot of the things that we say is with that I guess in in an authority way of this has been assessed we have the evidence that what this is saying is actually true so you can trust it because it's all about building trust in the Mm -hmm. system and in the program and that's the hardest thing to do because I mean it will take you a long time to build that trust in the system, but you can lose it in a second. So I think for us, that's how we're trying to do it, just to build that trust in the program, in the system. The more brands come on board, the more likely people will be able to see it. And also, you know, like that repetition of, why are you saying this if I've always recycled this or I've never done it? It's like, well, actually that is a different material type or the technology has changed. So there was a lot of consumer research before we began those
1: comps. Ah, that's interesting. See, maybe this episode is the beginning of even more profound collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will tag them then so they can listen to this. And, you know, who knows this podcast is also built to make bridges across yeah. the world. So interesting that you say that. And the idea of being inspired by others, that's definitely so, so oh, absolutely. like what Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah, it saves, it saves you doing a lot of work. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> If someone's done a great job, like why would you reinvent the wheel?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned actually at the beginning the same thing about companies. It's like, okay, don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. (laughs) If we know it, let's share the information and then let's go further (laughs) after that for sure we spoke a lot about labeling and so on and but i also know that you have national recycling week campaigns and i guess it's also adds an extra layer on this i have seen the videos and of course you are using the labels to communicate and to build these campaigns but maybe it's important to just explain to the audience what it consists of, and where are you when you do these campaigns? Are you on media? Are you a lot of outside, even in shops? You know, what, what is happening?
2: Well, National Recycling Week, oh, I love that campaign. It's quite old as well. Look, to be quite frank, before I joined arc five years ago, I didn't know it was a arc campaign. I just thought it, you know, it was a, a holiday, a national holiday, and it just happened. But now it's, it's a Planark campaign, and we, I mean, we talk about, all things recycling so from e-waste to mattresses paint like whatever you can recycle or recover or reuse I mean lately obviously in the last few years we've been trying to transition into a more circular economy approach of reuse and restore and repair but in terms of recycling I mean consumers or just the people in general we interact with packaging every day So it's something that we, you know, we see how much we consume, we see how much we throw away. So even if it's not the big bulk of the total waste that the country is producing, it's something that we just do it every day. So we see it's very important to us to know what to do with it. So it's obviously the ARL, it's a big component of the campaign. And I mean... I'll probably just plug myself and you know the campaign in here, the way the partnership works. But I think something good about this partnership, or for Planet Arc to be able to b- do both campaigns of so both the ARL and National Recycling Week, is that if you let's assume that you are a I don't know like a, a government body or just an organization body type of thing, you probably want someone who has been talking about this for a long time. And again, someone who people trust and who does other campaigns that can somehow integrate whatever you're trying to say. So, because that, obviously that helps with budget because then you can use the budget for both campaigns a little bit. So it's a little bit just to get your back for your buck. But also you have that again, that trust of the messenger that people want and can listen to. And we'll actually, I guess, yeah, tr- probably, I will say trust a lot in these <laughs> conversations. But anyway, so back to, to National Recycling Week, whenever we talk about, because we have different audiences so we talk to households, we talk to workplaces and we talk to schools. So those are our three main audiences and all of them, every single time, they all use packaging every single day. We do focus a lot more on households and schools. Again, because households, probably that's where you use packaging the most, and that's where you have your recycling bin at home. And in our case for the ARL, that's where we have the data for. So we cannot really say, you know, because maybe they have like a commercial recycling bin that accepts different things, but we don't have that data. So we cannot for sure say, yes, you can do it because. Again, we don't have the evidence that would actually tell you that's the correct thing. But yeah, for households, it's fine. And also for schools, because what we found on that research was that people know how to recycle or remember how to recycle certain things from when they were from their childhood. So that comes from family and friends. Sometimes that information might not be the most accurate one, but that's one source of information as well as schools. So what we did was we developed curriculum-aligned lesson plans. They're free. So teachers can download that and yeah, they can use it during, generally during National Recycling Week, that's when they use it the most because it's on theme. But yeah, and because it's part of the curriculum, they don't have to develop like anything extra. It's just something that they can just, here it is, and I can just tick you know, like my class requirement. Mm -hmm. Anyone doing anything, I would highly suggest to go to schools and to do curriculum online resources because, yeah, they're really good. And to make them free because I hate teachers paying for stuff. (laughs) I mean, I know sometimes they have to, but yeah, at least the better. So that's one aspect. And then obviously the household's We just have a bunch of resources that they can tap into. And I think because we have also a limited budget, and I think that's very important to talk about. If it was me, I would love to have like a million dollar budget so that I can just smash TV ads for a very long time until people you know, everyone was aware of what the label was and how to do it and how to dispose of every single piece of packaging. But the reality is that budgets are very small. We are not for profit. So, you know, we're a charity. We don't have that many human resources either. So it's very something that really helps us is our relationships with local councils. Because to be honest, I mean, they're the ones who are on the ground every single day talking to the residents about what it is and not it's not recyclable. So they are the front liners, really. And so what resources can we make for them to make it easy for them to talk about it? So, yeah, again, National Recycling Week, it's a very timely time to talk about all things recycling, including packaging. So yeah, we develop a huge range of resources and we have like this toolkit that it's free for all of these councils to use and download. So we have anything from social media tiles to videos, to infographics, posters that they can print. We have links to previous webinars as well. Something I did not mention before us back in 2020 when the pandemic was here it was actually good for us cuz it you know cuz it was like the webinar boom and we were able to talk to I can't remember how many councils, but they were probably around 70% of the population in Australia. And we have, I think we did like 200 sessions or something. So it's, it's yeah, it <laughs> takes a lot of, yeah. Oh, it's massive. It takes a lot of time, but because it was online, it would made it a little bit easier. But what we did there, because before we've done webinars in the past, we've talked about the program, we have shown how it is, but it wasn't until we tried to do that. I mean, it wasn't face-to-face, but like, I guess those individual sessions with councils, And we explain exactly how the program works and everything. They were like, oh, I did not know, you know, you went into like the the nitty gritty of all of these different things. So yeah, it was very important for us for the waste educators to, again, trust the program because if they trust it, then they will talk about it. Otherwise Mm -hmm. they won't. So for them to know, you know, all of the governance structure around it. And yeah, even if they saw something that they thought was not correct, they can easily talk to us and like, hey, I just saw this, is this actually accurate or not? Most of the time it is, but sometimes, you know, there's human error, it might not be correct. So what's the what's the result of that? Well, the brand yeah. will have to change it. So oh, that's,
1: that's great. So it's even enhances collaboration on your side that's great and i have seen several of your toolkits and i have the song animated video like oh. before you check it yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, this kind of basic song that's are like kind of super simple but at the same time if you want people to make the first gesture that makes sense it has to be simple and so it, it was interesting like okay check it before you check it yes. <laughs> and i i like rhymes <laughs> as well yeah
2: yeah they're very sticky yeah, yeah when, when that when that was launched at first i think it was in my head for at least three months straight <laughs> I just couldn't get it out
1: so hopefully it's the same for the people right so yeah. <laughs> but maybe i would like to go a bit beyond this simple message we already mentioned that recyclable is not specifically recycled so that mm. different things i have in mind as well that. It's not easy to make the user understand that made by recyclable material doesn't oh. mean recyclable or vice versa. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know if you have any tips about that. Yeah. To go one step further, because here we are more like in between experts, kind of. And okay, so they're the end user, but how to make sure that everyone gets that? We You cannot mix the information like that. It's or, yeah. or like confuse the end user as well because of that.
2: Yeah. Well, it's so hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Yeah. Cause yeah, I just said most people don't really get it. I think the way we've worked with it, there's a few different ways of how you can do it. But what we have seen first is that you cannot really provide those two pieces of information at the same time because they're completely different. So you are either talking about recyclability or you are talking about recycled content, but it's better not to talk about both of them at the same time, because then people get confused and they don't really know what you're saying and they might not understand neither of them. So just focus on one and do it well. And then once you got that sorted, then you can transition into the other one, or you can have two separate campaigns running at the same time. The same goes for labeling. When, again, this was way back when we were trying to integrate recycled content into the ARL. So we had a couple of signs of, you know, you can recycle your bottle, and your bottle is also made out of 80% of recycled plastics. No one got it. It was (laughs) really hard. Yeah. So basically the outcome was you have the recycling label at the back of pack, because that's normally where people look at it. And then you have those claims of recycled content at the front of it. Because again, it's just a different message. Also, I guess it's very important from a brand perspective to have internal education sessions for everyone. So, from them, especially for the marketing team and the comms team, so they understand also the, the difference between them and what they can and cannot say, what does it mean, so that they then go out with their consumers with claims that they actually understand themselves. And they're probably the ones who also will be doing a lot of consumer testing of messages and things for that. So I think, yeah, internal. that's the first step. That's a step stone. You want your people to know what they're saying and to understand what does it mean so that they can easily, well, not easily, but more comfortably go to their own consumers and make those claims. So that's one stage. I think, at least for us at the moment, we just want people to get recycling right? and maybe the recycle content that's separate like that's a second step we just want people to put the right thing in the right bin cuz a lot of them they're not doing it not because they want it, it's just cuz they don't know they don't understand it so once you have that first thing it's okay now that you recycle correctly what happens to it here it is this is the piece of packaging or whatever it, you know you made with it so yeah i think there's different stages of how maybe we would best to do it and you have different audiences. So you have that audience that is already very engaged, very green-minded, so they know what they're doing. It's fine. So you can start talking to them about recycled content. If you want to be fancy, you can even talk about post-consumer recycling, like all those different types of recycled content that there are. So they understand the different levels of, I mean, depending on who you talk to, post-recycled content is probably like the highest like value that you could have versus something that just comes from manufacturing. And then, yeah, they can make informed decisions. But I think from a consumer perspective, recycle content or like for a brand to make those claims, that's more like a purchasing decision, you know, to get people to buy your product or to like your brand. Yeah, I mean, that's why you would probably make those claims. And then you would do it because you probably have like internal goals. We all know that we have to put all of those materials back into the supply chain, yeah, but, but but just don't do it at the same time. That, that's really, <laughs> take care of this. I hear it's
1: tricky. I know it. And at the same time, I feel it's completely makes sense. And also to educate people who are delivering the message. Okay, of course, sometimes brands are purposely making greenwashing, but also... Sometimes people are just want to do think in a good way, and but they say yeah. something that is not correct, and so yeah, education. Yeah. Is, is...
2: I want to believe whenever there is a claim that is not accurate it was because lack of understanding, not because it was consciously made. <laughs>
1: And and you mentioned you are a lot in recycling and so on. But I, I promised you I wanted to, in the same idea of going a little bit beyond the simple message. I also have read several promotions about reducing as well oh. from you. And so where do you see the biggest challenges of reaching the consumer on reducing? And even because we spoke about companies, how could we according to you, bring more companies into that path as well.
2: Yeah, reducing and avoiding, I guess, it's way higher in the waste hierarchy. And I mean, if like from an environmental point of view, if you ask me with like my environmental hat, I would say that recycling is the bare minimum. You know, that's the bare minimum they should be striving for and anything else should be what you probably should be working towards. But in reality, I know that's probably not realistic. So I guess if you want people to reuse, you have to make it easy for them. You have to make it accessible. And it's more like a systemic change that needs to happen and not just the packaging design things. You know, if you're trying for people to reuse their containers, do they have access to store near them where they can refill their things? Do they have to carry them for long distances if that's the case would most people have a car would they have access to public transport is public transport safe you know because they probably have to carry all of these containers that are quite heavy somewhere else and then fill them up which is going to be even heavier come back if it's too far away they're not going to do it like you have to make it incredibly easy because we all have our everyday concerns we all have to be fed, we all have to be, you know, to sleep, we all have to be feeling safe in our homes. So those are the things that people try to get done first, and then everything else comes afterwards. So as an organization, what can you do so that people don't even have to think about like creating big changes so they can reduce the amount of waste that they are generating? Because another thing that we've noticed is, I mean, way back when people were like, yeah, I'm going to take action. I'm going to do all of this, these amazing things and they've done it, but they also want to see action from companies. They're tired of all of the responsibility being placed on of them. Like, you know, you have to be responsible. You have to put the right thing in the right bin. You have to reduce the amount of plastic you're using. I mean, yeah, that's great, but how can I do that if... When I go to the supermarket, everything is packed in plastic. Uh, It's a huge change that is not just going to happen overnight. And it's not just the responsibility of one sector, because I think it's everyone. It's both. It's the government. It's consumers, because we also need to be a little bit more responsible on what we buy sometimes. But it's also part of the companies who sell things and how they sell it and yeah what systems are in place for people to have easy access to get things refilled if again as i mentioned if they have to take their containers back or maybe they can just drop them off somewhere closer to home and they can just get like a automatic refill or something so there're a lot of programs and a lot of companies who have done this already some of them have worked some of them haven't but i think it also has to be an industry led approach if just one brand does it it's probably not gonna work out because you know you just don't buy one product you buy many so yeah it has to be yeah more like a a systemic thing
1: yeah i completely agree and uh, systemic approach is paramount. And as you mentioned, I really believe that businesses should lead the way <laughs> yeah. for sure. And when you mentioned the frustration of someone who wants to do the right thing uh, into bracket, I will say it makes me think about Sean in episode 34, who was mentioning her campaign about the plastic-free ales in a grocery shop and all these initiatives that's try to raise the awareness of like it's possible but still (laughs) the businesses has to to put their foot on the ladder, right? Yeah as well. And because you mentioned a lot of refill, I was just curious to know very quickly if you already have tried to put reuse on one of your label or like one first label saying reuse first and then yeah. <laughs> recycle or either have you tried that or on Yeah,
2: well people have talked about it and some brands have talked about it, like if I'm selling a jar, you know, it would be great to have like a reuse message, which is great. I mean I do appreciate that messaging and just especially for people who as I mentioned, they're probably at the beginning of the waste reduction journey. So there's a lot of things that I haven't even think about. But at the same time, again, I think doing that is putting the responsibility on the consumer to think about all of these creative ways of how they can reuse a jar. Because, I mean, how many jars can you have? You know, it's (laughs) (laughs) like... (laughs) And again, this is just a jar example, but if you're saying that a jar is reusable, it should probably be reused for the exact same purpose. So if you're just repurposing it for, you know, like drinking water or like a flower pot, you know, that's not really a win. That's just a good thing that happened because the consumer decided to do it, not necessarily because it was designed in a way to be reused.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, always to keep evidence, like uh, not confusing the, the user. I hear it. Avoiding conflicting and like at the same time, like building the infrastructure around and we have a lot of episodes on this and it's part of my work as well but yeah it's nice to hear from someone who is working on recycling labels to see where cooperation can be created or not yep. and then just like mm. choose your your fight I will say or yeah. you know it's, it's all always tricky and actually it makes me think about you have participated in a program of coordinated waste behavior change trials in Australia, and if I'm not mistaken, this initiative was led by Behavior Works Australia, and we we don't have a lot of time here, but maybe, do you have a Big takeaway, do you want to share a specific insight about this experience on what has been done in terms of education and what was working very well or not? <laughs> and yeah. I that you will maybe advise don't do that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and, And I also have several episodes on this specifically in episode 15 in Canada, actually even in BC, there was a study about segmenting seven motivations to better reach your market. And Lindsay Ball was speaking about that. And you might have seen as well that there was like a shift marketing framework as well in episode 18 and 19. But So it's always good to have like more foods to tote because of your experience in another country and how people react to certain type of communication and what have you noticed. And also because at the beginning of this episode, you mentioned that you are tracking some data and maybe this experience was helping to improve this approach of measuring impact. So I am curious to know maybe yeah. your big takeaways <laughs> from this Yeah, for
2: sure. Uh, those experiments were great. Yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah, As I mentioned, they were performed by Behaviour work. So they are a, I like guess, like a department, like a, a part of Monash University here in Australia. And yeah, they specialise specifically on what works for changing behaviours with people. So just a very short summary of how that worked <laughs> is we had a lot of a lot of us so obviously us planar from a non for profit organizational point of view but they also had a lot of cancels who joined the experiment because again as i mentioned they're the ones who are talking to the residents they're the ones picking up the recycling from them and they're the ones providing stickers and posters and things like that so what it is that's going to work and what is not so Uh, we had a couple of workshops with them first. And then at the end, they ran some experiments. So the first, they were like Facebook experiments. So what were the ones who work and what were the ones who did not work? And then, and there that's something that they found is whenever you're talking about how, what are you recycling? You have to either focus on input. So what you want people to put in the bin but not necessarily what they should not do it. So it's just one thing again, just one message. So you're putting this in the bin, but not necessarily just just take that's a completely different one. So there's two separate type of I guess tiles that you have to show them for them to understand what they're meant to be doing. That was one. And but then if you have posters on your bins, it's great to have. These are the things that we accept. But also have the ones that you don't accept. So if someone is, you know, like, oh, I have this thing that is not on on the list, they will probably put it in there. Just you know, they wish cycle. So it's better to say, no, actually, we don't accept this either. Just put it somewhere else. Mm. So it's it was yeah, it was funny because it was two different types. Like it was the same thing, but the way you deliver them, it had to be different. So yeah, they're very interesting. they're available on our website. the the resources that perform the best. If anybody wants to have a look at them more than welcome. I'll provide the link to you so you can maybe yeah, 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 have for it for sure. yeah put
1: that in the show notes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah that, that webinar is recorded as well. So if anybody wants to watch it, it's very interesting because you have Jenny McLean and Ryan Collins from Planark. They really are the experts who talk about behavior change. So uh, yeah, it, it was very, very interesting to see the results. And we have implemented a lot of them whenever we do, because we do a lot of social media advertising. So yeah, just knowing what works and what doesn't, especially when you have limited budgets, it's it's really good to know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and actually it made me think about, but maybe you 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 mentioned that initiative in terms of users and so on and I, I guess you might know Nerida Kelton and she already went on this podcast and they have a big guide created by the World Packaging Organization and that's called also complements to know how the packaging is made and what's can happen to him and then you with your readers okay how you communicate that yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's I feel it's very complementary and I, I will put episode 25 in the show notes as well so it's it shows as well how Australia is active on the <laughs> on this yeah. subject it's very interesting to see
2: yeah it's it's quite interesting yeah because just because something is technically recyclable it's really like sometimes it will be really hard to communicate that to the final consumer or something that happened for example was I think a brand they developed like this packaging that is normally not recyclable like this packaging format and they wanted to get the ARL on it so they submitted a because when when they were assessing that through private set now but then they submitted that to these uh, advisory boards that I mentioned before and it was decided that even though it was technically recyclable and it could potentially travel correctly and you know it was just the one brand so it wasn't a lot of volume so in terms of communicating that to consumers it was going to be incredibly confusing because it would be just with this one brand you can do it and that's fine but everything else um. no. so you know it's in that sense it was said it was better to lose that material at the beginning and then once the whole industry transitioned into a more packaging friendly format Then you could say, sure, all of this type of product, they are now recyclable across Australia or across the state or even across Mm -hmm. your own council. So, yeah, yeah, you have to have those big, big volumes, not just individual brands.
1: Again, it's on the business to collaborate, to to find kind of a standardization that works well for along the process. So it's very interesting. And I don't want to leave you before asking you the burning question I always address to each guest because it's something that we have in all episodes. And I have chosen for you a tricky one, actually. So, <laughs> so <laughs> so it's come from Paul Kessar-Elleno uh, from Circuiton in episode 27. So maybe the best way to apprehend the following question is probably to put yourself in the shoes of a company you already worked with. And here's the question. So imagine that you run a company and you had to produce all your own packaging on site or within 50 kilometers radius of your factory. And you had to dispose of that packaging, not in the landfill. So you need to remake that packaging at the end of life for yourself so that you are absolutely virtually integrated and then so you make your own packaging and you recycle it or you reuse that packaging what would you do and to make it easy he he was kind (laughs) what industry would you be in so maybe very quickly is what kind of not food (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not foods, yeah.
2: Yeah, that adds a completely different layer. <laughs> so
1: yeah, so what kind of collaboration? Maybe because you are an expert in collaboration as well, do you think it's necessary to put that in place, or maybe what kind of labels will you add to be sure that it's come back to you? And it's well kind of close the loop of our conversation here
2: yeah oh dear i don't know (laughs) i mean obviously reuse would be i mean if you can make that happen reuse is probably the best because again that's higher in the waste hierarchy am i selling all of those things locally as well Mm. maybe
1: yeah i I guess (laughs) otherwise it would be like very very hard
2: (laughs) yeah okay yeah i mean if you're selling things locally and if you can i guess create something Yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I don't know. I'm thinking skincare just because I really like skincare. Although it's, yeah, probably like have them in a reusable metal container. I don't know if metal works well with skincare, but let's assume yes. It has to be pretty because if you make it pretty, then people would be willing to have them, you know, like they would actually want to get them. So make it pretty. Once it's done, then. They can either take it back to the store where they got the skincare from and they just exchange it for a new one. They don't have to clean it. They don't have to do anything with it. And I guess if I have a brand with different products, all of them will have to be the same so they can all bring back all of them at the same time. They're small enough so it wouldn't be too heavy and they probably would have to go to the store anyway. I think that's how I would like to do it and then you refill it on site. Like you clean it, you sanitize it, you do the whole thing and then you just refill it and put it on the shelves again.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So you switch basically from recycling to refill. And that's interesting because we have a, a whole episode about that. Definitely I have to mention a lot of episodes here. And, and and one of the guests on bulk and refill was uh, Yukami and uh, it's about cosmetic. Yeah. And so it's really... That. So it's interesting that your go for it will be like, okay, let's not recycle anymore, let's just reuse.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, well, I mean, I think like you will probably of... have to recycle it eventually. Yes. I mean, it end, will be yeah. reused. Yeah. And it will get like all those snacks and, you know, from being mm-hmm. used. And then once that's done, then you can recycle it. And that, that's probably what I said, metal, because that has like enough, like that material is a high commodity material. So people mm-hmm. do want that. But yeah, the moment it stops being pretty, people don't want it anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, see education in a pretty way as well. So thank you for that. And I see the time flying. So I want to be respectful for the time of everyone here. And just, do you have something else to add before I ask the very, very last questions?
2: I don't know. I mean, And I'm again just talking labeling here and packaging and recycling. But I think for a program of this type to be successful, you need both a good governance structure to have and you know all that evidence and the input of all of the industries involved, so the packaging industry, the waste industry, everyone, to have a good labeling system. But no good labeling program is good enough if you don't have that education that backs up the like those claims and just to raise awareness about what does that mean because sometimes you can look at something and understand something completely different so yeah you have that you need that education component and that repetition as well you have to constantly be reminding people of whatever you want them to talk about cuz i mean we're receiving millions of messages every single day we cannot absorb all of them so if you repeat them constantly eventually it <laughs> will reach that person <laughs>
1: Okay, repeat, repeat, repeat. (laughs) And then actually it's related to the last question. So for those who want to go deeper into recycling, packaging labels, circularity, sustainability in general, what book article or video has inspired you that you would like to share? I mean, except the links that we will already put in the show notes that you mentioned. Something that you're like, oh, read that book or like, check that. It's, It's inspiring.
2: Oh, oh oh, gosh, I don't know. There's so many different ones. I think something really good, it's not just packaging, it's mostly waste. We had a great show here in Australia called The War on Waste. And it was done in a way that it was very easy to absorb. It visually showed the amount of waste that people were creating. Some of them were like, oh my God, I had no idea. And I work in this industry. So yeah, I highly recommend people to watch The War on Waste. It's free to watch, I think it's on ABC Australia, so. Okay, cool. Yeah, I highly recommend that one.
1: No, I would like you to address a burning question to a next guest related to packaging. So something (laughs) that you would like to have an answer or you are curious about, and I will choose to whom your question might fit best and it can be super short as well. It doesn't take too
2: long. Let me have a think. Um, hmm. Well, actually, I think I know the question. But sorry, I think I know the answer. But this is something that we get asked a lot from consumers. Like this is something that we ask all the time. I actually have two. You can choose whichever you want. So the first one would be, why can't everything, like all plastic packaging, why can't all of it be just made out of PET and HTTP? Because those are the most recyclable types of plastics. And if everything was made out of it, why can't we... You know, it would be a lot easier just, just to be able to recover them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The other one is, why is it so hard to get recycled content for food grade packaging? What are all of the barriers? And if you could, you know, solve it, how would you do it?
1: Okay, I will address that to someone who knows a little bit about technical and chemical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. So thank you. Thank you for this question. I appreciate it. And how can the audience find out more about you and Planet Arc? Where is the best to get in touch?
2: Yes, I mean, I would say go to our socials because they're a lot more fun. So <laughs> you can just go to our social channels. All of them are at PlanetArc. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We also have our website, of course, planetarc.org.au. And we have a great recycling website, recyclingnearyou.com.au. That's where the ARL page is hosted. So yeah, just if you want to have additional information about what we do, that's the best place to go.
1: Thank you so much, Alejandra. I really appreciate all your sharing. So it was really interesting. And I feel that we have a lot to learn from country to another. It was really great to hear. Yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah, well, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if it's the case, be sure to subscribe where you get your podcast and leave us a five stars review to help for its visibility. You also probably have at least two or three friends or colleagues to share this episode with. Of course, feel free to get in touch by the lookforloops.com website or drop me a line on Collienne Regoux LinkedIn profile. Last but not least, be sure to check the show notes with the links and resources. Until next time!